What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the men's show here at Awaken Catholic. My name is Nick Delatore. Today we have John Mark Grodi and an illustrious and infamous special guest. <laughs> Mikey Roman, and uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about Mikey in just a moment. We're going to be talking today about men, work, and worship, and it's going to be good stuff, ladies and gentlemen, right after this. Nick, you're so good at those. Oh, shucks. This is going to be fun. <laughs> but before we get to this exciting topic today, I want to tell you a little bit about Awakening Catholic. If you like what we're doing on this show, the men's show, or any of the other shows here on Awakening Catholic, or if you like the mission, this mission of trying to bring the truth through beauty uh, of the media, um, go to awakencatholic.org slash donate and become part of the Awakened Nation. The Awakened Nation are people like you who are enthusiastic about this mission and want to support it in their prayer and with their money, so that we can continue bringing uh, beautiful videos, uh, sharing the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ with the world. And also, I would encourage you to go to theawakenapp.io and download the Awaken Catholic app, or get it through your favorite app store. Um, uh, we're a growing community of people who uh, are discussing all these topics and interacting. Um, and also, if you're part of that Awaken Nation that I just referenced, there's a lot of special exclusive stuff available for you in the app. So check that out at theawakenapp.io. And also, finally, our sponsor for today's episode is this book. It's called Prohibition's Proving Ground, Cops, Cars, and Rum Runners in the Toledo-Detroit-Windsor Corridor. You know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think this might be a family history of mine <laughs> because I've got some connections in, in this area and that, that, that describes some of my ancestors there. So it's going to be You have spicy. connections in this area? You have like the hookup for rum? Well, no, not that kind of connection. Like my family came down from Canada and they were they were rum runners and bootleggers. Someone in your family needs probably, to find out. It's legal now. The point is, it sounds like a really cool uh, bit of local history from this area. So whether you're from this Toledo area or not, uh, check out Pro Prohibition's Proving Ground. The link will be in the description. Did I miss anything, Nick? No, that was absolutely beautiful. So very cool. So go yeah. for there. Yeah, Thank you, Book. Thank yeah, you, Joseph book. Boggs. Yes, Joseph Boggs. For supporting Awakened Catholic. Good man, yeah. So we're going to be talking about uh, men, work, and worship. Uh, before we get specifically into the topic, we have a new face with us here at the Men's Show. And I just want to take a moment to let the people know about the glory of the man, Mikey Roman. And Mikey, glory. couple things <laughs> I want to say about you, and then I want you to kind of fill in the blanks. All right. All right? I'll, I'll Whatever gaps I leave yeah. behind with my introduction. So Mikey Roman, and one of the coolest dudes I know and have known for a long time, John Mark and I actually both know him from... Many moons ago, moons. when we were in college, and uh, <laughs> and you were kind of at, participating a little bit in the uh, Newman Center Ministries there at St. Thomas More University Parish. Um, the last episode I recorded on my show is with a deacon who is serving currently at that parish. Oh, really? um, yeah, and Father Jeff Walker, who is normally on this show, is the pastor at that parish. So lots of intermeshed uh, journeys here. Um, but yeah, so Mikey, you're an awesome dude. You have a beautiful heart for the Lord. And you, uh, I love the way that you th ask questions and the types of questions you ask. So I think you're going to be a really cool um, asset to this conversation here today in particular for, uh, for the people, the viewers, the listeners. Additionally, it must be said that this new Awakened Catholic set, so if you were not following Awakened Catholic before um, to like the end of December, beginning of January, then you might not know that this is a new set for Awakened Catholic. And uh, Mikey was 
intrinsic, instrumental, a vital element of making this all possible with like the backdrop and stuff. So he's a woodworker, he's a carver, he's a, I mean, how would you define what you do? I basically run towards any way that I can make money using my hands. <laughs> uh, well, we should t probably talk about that because some of those ways you should avoid <laughs> instead of running headlong into them. Uh, but anyways, well, well, this okay. backdrop uh, was in large part thanks to uh, the handiwork of Mikey Romanin. Um, he came up here to my, my humble workshop and helped me out with the vision that I had and figured out all the scientific engineering ways to make it all possible. So yeah, thanks for your contribution to Awaken Catholic in this You're set, welcome. man. Cool. Seriously. It was my pleasure. It makes a big difference. Funny evening it was it really was um some beer some laughs some some woodworking with the hands with the hands <laughs> we all collectively feel left out but what, what are the gaps so he gave the intro what, what are some gaps you want to fill in there? wait one uh, other thing i'll say is he is the husband of uh the awakened catholic project manager libby romanin yes important gap all, all the right. connections all the now now fill in the gaps <laughs> fill in the gaps i guess i should say more specifically um I, i'm mainly a sculptor uh, I, I found that that's the, one of the most profitable and fun ways for me to work with my hands. I do a lot of stonework uh, for restoration projects, some new construction. Um, and I also have a hand in, in the display industry, sculpting animals or other things for nature displays and, and the like. Very cool. But you are more than your work. More than my work. Um, yes. As you already mentioned, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus Christ here with everybody else trying to figure out what in the world that means in America <laughs> in the 21st century. Yeah. Is it the 21st century? It yeah. still is. Yeah. It still is. Good. Um, Dude, it's still 2020. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my no, God. it's 2021, right? I, I, mean, well, I mean, did we ever really leave that uh, year behind uh, at this point? Know, Everyone just right? needs to let go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to keep dragging it with us. Um, and you mentioned that you were a foster parent? Yeah. Yeah, we have... Um, Three, three extra kiddos with us right now um, who will likely be with us sort of for the long term. So that's like a total of 15 kids that you guys have? No. <laughs> <laughs> we have six kids right now, three biological and three foster. Awesome. awesome. In, yeah. our, in our big house. That's you always in awesome. construction. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really cool house. It is. A, it is a fun house. I praise God for providing it to us. Yeah. And so you have, uh, speaking of your work, you have a really awesome uh, workshop uh, building outside of your house um, that was probably a garage slash barnish type thing, right? At one point, and you kind of retrofitted it as a workshop. It was a lot of things over the years. Uh, you can kind of tell that it's undergone multiple additions, similar to the house, which used to be tiny, and then some guy made it huge. Yeah. Um, both of those things are reasons that I bought it. I wanted a lot of bedrooms, a lot of bathrooms, and a place to work. Um, but yeah, I I, I know some of the history of the property. One of the owners used to, um, I think he used to repair clocks in there. He also used to have a bunch of pigeons. Another oh. owner ran a woodworking business out of the barn. Um, and the guy that I brought it from, I don't think he did much of anything with it. The sawdust piles were still in the building from the previous. Oh my gosh. When I bought it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's, you know, we put a lot of work into it. It's turned around. It's, Cool. That's awesome. Building. Yeah. And so I feel like that is so uh, relevant to like what we're talking about today is is the work you've done on the house and that has been done on the house and, and the workshop before you and what you're using both the house and the workshop to do. Right. Like you, you uh, and Libby 
specifically sought out a house that allows you to be foster parents for the number of children that you're able to. Uh, and it's something I've admired about you guys for a long time, um, even before, you know, like as I've known you for years and before Libby joined the team here at Awaken, like I just love, I've always loved what you guys are doing with that because there are so many kids in difficult situations who need love, uh, need to be cared for. And you guys do that so beautifully. Um, and so you, you specifically sought out a residence that would allow you to do that well, as well as this other work that where you are creating. Uh, and, you know, we've talked on the men's show before about the value of creating things and uh, through art and through our, our work in different ways. But I really like I, what you do specifically is such kind of a neat, like acute way to have that conversation, because you know, a lot of like Jesus was a carpenter and a lot of people from an imagery standpoint, there's a lot of art that depicts the Lord, you know, molding Adam or like, um, like there's just so much about what yeah. you're doing that is just so beautifully tied into what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk let's about men, that. work and worship. Yeah. Uh, and obviously a lot of the things we're going to talk about do not just apply to men, right. but this is the men's show. So why not? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, Mikey, you introduced the idea of doing this topic and you, you kind of shared some interesting reflections as you were explaining what you wanted yeah. to talk about. Do you want to get into some of that? Sure. So, yeah, I think work is definitely something that we want to get right. Um, I'm not saying that as one who has gotten it, you know, nailed down, but, but gosh, we spend the majority of our week um, working and, and, and you've got to think that that's got to tie into the Christian walk. And, you know, really work was one of the first commands God gave to man, um, till the garden and work it. And I I think it's a way that we participate in the image of God by, uh, creating order out of the chaos. Ooh, Mm -hmm. Ooh. (laughs) there it is. (laughs) So So, good. And we do that in multiple ways. Like I, I can create order out of the chaos that is, you know, a a rough block of stone out of the ground, cut it into something useful for a building, something that's going to help shelter people, something that's beautiful. Um, I can create order out of, you know, the chaos that is my, my breaking house when, <laughs> when I've got the struggles there and I can go buy the materials from Home Depot and figure out how to fix this and that and, and make it something that's going to bless the people. But we also can create order um, in the chaos of other people's lives as well, which I think is some of what, what you guys are doing. There's a lot of chaos with all, the, all, all kinds of bad ideas out there, mm. ideas that don't align with the Lord and his truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that needs someone to come in and kind of say, you know, but wait a minute, think about it this way. Do you understand this thing and make some. And I love that connecting work again to that original, that original command to till the garden, because the thing about gardening, of course, <clears throat> is that it's, it's this, it's this sort of quintessential type of work where you recognize that you're working with God, right? Because yeah. you, you can't make it any of it from scratch. You can't even create the chaos that you're going to make order out of. No, you, you encounter this stuff that's already there and you work with the Lord to bring about the life. And so that's true. I think with all of our work though, like in the, in the image of God, yes, we, we bring order to chaos, but we're always doing it with God, or at least that's the way that work is always supposed to to be. It's this sort of dance with God. It's this working alongside God. We're co-creators. We're co-orderers with God. I've, um, I've read a lot of material from this, uh, this one farmer who he's a, he's, he's a Christian and he, he likes to write and I don't know, 
work specifically with the idea of trying to farm alongside of the way God made things to work. Yeah. Because I think sometimes in our in, in industrial society, oh, yeah. people um, sort of manipulate and force nature to give them a certain outcome. Uh, and it often comes with these negative side effects that mm -hmm. we then have to create other processes to deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's interesting to try to figure out how to use God's processes that are already naturally built in to um, make that all work. That's really cool. Yeah, because there's, there's, yeah, there's a worldview baked into either of those approaches, right? I mean, I think the way sure. that you work bespeaks your worldview. You know, if you work, if you work the land, so, uh, for instance, in a way that this world isn't good enough. We have to kind of burn it down, start from scratch, make of it in our own image. That bespeaks kind of the way that you, th you think of the universe and of your place in the universe and of the God of the universe, or maybe his absence, maybe a lack of a God. Whereas the, the, the Christian yet comes to the world um, believing in an author, believing in a creator, b believing in a provident father so that, um, yeah, whatever we do, we're, we're trying to see what's the order that's in there that I can work with. You know, what's the, what, what is the, the telos of this plant or of this family structure of this, uh, what's the, what's the, the opportunity, the potentiality in this block of marble that I could help bring out in cooperation with God. But it, that, that attitude of looking for the order that's there that I'm going to bring out in cooperation with God, that, that kind of ties into the, the worldview that you come to the world with. Yeah. yeah. And I think that has huge implications for our spiritual lives in general but it's reflected and it isn't just in you know creative arts but that exact same principle applies in an office mm -hmm. environment you know like are you uh, silly example are you the person that sees a pen lying around and you take it home like oh now i have a pen for home like well but th th that pen is owned by the company you know like something silly like that like i, I think a lot of these ideas of uh, entitlement to uh, when it comes circling back to the farming entitlement to engineer nature to serve my needs versus um, appreciating and working with nature as it was designed by its designer mm -hmm. uh, I, instead of like subjugating the original designer's intent to uh, impose my own design upon it um, yeah and that's a heart posture that really uh, those those heart postures uh, have implications across a wide spectrum of both work but then also your relationships and your relationship with God parenting I mean, we're all dads oh, yeah. here, you know, so like there's, there's two extremes. So you just let the kids do whatever they want. Oh, they'll be fine. You know, I don't need to, to mold or cultivate or, or parent them or the other extreme. No, I need to, I need to break them and remold them in my image. No, no, no. It's, it's someplace in the middle. Like they, they were created and chosen and cherished by God. They have their own personality and temperament, all that. And I am the person helping to, br to bring forth the potentiality that's there. Like God has a plan for them. He has purposes for them. He has skills and charisms and all that. And I can't originate those. I just get to be part of this, this, I get to be a midwife, so to speak, to, to bring to bear these things that God has, has put in there. A mid-husband. But I have to, I have to Don't cooperate. Be <laughs> I have to cooperate, walk with God in that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a tough huge. line to walk. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more, Mikey. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we've got a lot of kids and a lot of parenting struggles and yeah. I think I, I, as you were talking about that, I just was like, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which side I'm falling on or if I'm falling in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's true that everything in life, that that's always that balance of, um, I think it's whenever we stop trying to balance is when we fall to one side or the other in, in some part of our life and we stop 
rebalancing, mm. you know, when we, st- we stop realizing that, oh, I'm, I'm always either relying too much on myself, uh, or I'm trying to, to, um, yeah, to do this. Well, yeah, one side of that balance, we're airing one side or the other. And it's always, it's that, it's that walking with God in that area of our life, whether it's our marriage or our parenting or our job or our craft, whatever it is, is it trying to always stay in that place, uh, where I'm, I'm walking with God's grace and I'm trying to see the order that he's in there where he's leading me. But then I'm, I'm also recognizing that, yeah, he, but he asks me to be an active part of this. So I'm trying to keep that balance, the grace in action there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like to me, one of the, the key factors um, for that is like humility um, and the willingness to be wrong about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in my own life, the more um, radically polarized I get outside of that balance in, in, in a variety of contexts, but in the one we're talking about now with parenting, for example, um, the more extreme I am to either side rather than being balanced, like, I'll just keep going in that direction if I'm not willing to be like, wait, am I, do I need to hear Alina's words right now that, that I'm not approaching this the right way? Or like, do I just need to be super self-aware that maybe in that moment I wasn't approaching this the way that I could be? And like, you know, our ability to keep ourselves in check is kind of limited. Um, in terms of like, we're very self-referential and we're, we're very like, uh, it's our natural instinct to be defensive about our mistakes. And it's, it takes a lot of virtue and a lot of humility to be like, uh, oh yeah. Like I just generally, um, should assume that I have room to grow, uh, room to rebalance, room to, to approach this differently. Um, and I feel like that disposition of like, I'm almost excited to be wrong about things, honestly. Like, I love it when someone's like, oh, Nick, you were totally messing this up. And, you know, here's here's the right way to look at this. You know, I, I just had a recent conversation with Rob, who's usually on this show. Um, and he was like, hey, Rob, or he was like, hey, Nick, uh, you should uh, sleep more. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, silly man! You don't you don't know my life. You don't know how little sleep fits into it. And you know, he was like, "Oh, Nick, you should." Uh, and this is all in the same conversation. Nick, you should, uh, you know, uh, work less. And I was like, "Oh, silly man! You don't know how little that's possible in my life." Uh, but like, literally, following that conversation, I felt very, you know, convicted that and like the things he was saying were not things I was oblivious to. But it's like I hadn't put enough weight in those ideas because in my mind, like where I was being polarized, not balanced, uh, I was just like juggernauting forward, you know? Um, and so it was after he was, you know, calling me to the carpet on those things in a super loving way. Um, like literally after we hung up, I was just like, huh, wait, I, I, I should sleep more. Yeah, I should work less, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and literally since then, like we've been very proactive to make changes for that. And, um, our, we came up with a cool creative, uh, work schedule for me throughout the week. That is, you know, something that we have to stick to. It takes intentionality. Um, but like, yeah, the more, the, the, the more we kind of get these blinders on and we're not willing to let other voices come in and, you know, Hey, your work-life balance sucks, you know, <laughs> like we, we need to be humble. We need to be willing to be wrong about what we're in the middle of doing, even if we think we're doing a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Humility is a great word there. Mm-hmm. I often think that, uh, 
when we when we get to a point where we think oh, I can't work less, I can't um, I can't sleep more, I can't rest because all of this stuff needs to be done. It needs me. It needs my attention. Um, when I'm when I'm there, I often think that. I'm at a place of not trusting God. I think yes. I'm so important in my life that the world is going to stop if I don't keep tending to it. And I forget Oof. that the all-powerful God is also tending to it, and he doesn't call me to just work tirelessly, but even made me to require mm-hmm. to, to shut down and sleep or, or to rest for a day and be refreshed. And he's way more capable than you are. Way more capable. <laughs> Although, he, you know, my stuff just keeps breaking and I feel like my load keeps getting bigger sometimes. <laughs> well, it's funny too that because we, we see in, in sacred scripture that the Lord knows us so well. He, he knows that without his intervention, we wouldn't be able to explore and figure out this balance because he says, okay, whatever you might think or feel about your work and about how important you are in the world and how the world's going to stop turning, whatever. Oh yeah. Every seven days you need to put that all aside and and right. it doesn't matter if you say, Oh, but what if there's not enough food or money or all this stuff, whatever. What if the world stops turning? Like, Nope, sorry. Mm-hmm. Every seven days you will put it aside and you'll just be with me and with your family. You know, yeah. you have this Sabbath day because you can't forget that the again that the purpose of that work what is that what's that work leading to what's it for it's about the sabbath it's about that leisure that worship that being with god that's where the work you know um the true good dignified work uh, remains connected to its goal to its to what it's leading towards and so if we lose if we don't make ourselves stop and take the time for that that purpose for which the work is there for slowly the work will take over everything and then lose its its meaning and its dignity mm. in the process. Yeah. And it ultimately suffers for it anyways. Like aside yeah. from kind of the, you know, the the philosophical or metaphysical, I don't know what word to apply to this, but the, the dignity of the work. Like mm-hmm. um, it also suffers for it when you are coming at it with a lack of balance in your right. own life because you're not going to be equipped anatomically, emotionally, you're not going to be equipped to, uh, you're not operating at your best. You're not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, even spiritually, like if we, if we are operating in life in a state of grace, we don't have mortal sin impeding us from, from a fullest expression of our Christian life with the grace of the Lord in us. Like, um, and so, you know, being in harmony and communion with God and, and there not being any, uh, internal rub for you spiritually that you're still like wrestling with in a super proactive way of something really acute you know that will give you a spirit of of peace and of of joy and it it gives you a grace that allows you to enter whatever scenario whatever task way better like you are your best self going into that or at least you're you're as close to that as you can be in that moment and you can kind of remain in that flow state to use that sort of buzzword out there you know about about work in the sense that you know you if you if you're able in your life in general to recognize the connection between work and the sabbath you know work and, and leisure and worship the the point the purpose of work where it's going you recognize um that I need to remain dependent on God and that my work is a cooperation with God then then I can return to my work and enter into it at this place where I'm I'm going to give myself fully to God in in the work I'm like I'm going to give it my very best but I'm also going to not I'm going to recognize that I don't want to I don't want to go overboard to that place where I stop uh, inviting God into that work where I'm tr- I'm I'm tr- 
trusting myself too much. I'm trying to do it all myself. I'm trying to do it. I, I was listening to a, a podcast uh, last year sometime. It was Tim Ferriss's podcast with Hugh Jackman. Oh, cool. And he, he mentioned this, like, I can't remember what he was talking about, sports or, or maybe his acting or whatever, but this, this notion of like, well, give it, don't give it what 100%, give it 80%. Why 80%? Well, it's that there, there's that, there's that space left there where you're, you're not fully head down into the thing where you can kind of, and he wasn't talking about it in a spiritual sense, but my, my, my thought was you want to keep enough of kind of a space there to be able to be open to the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I want to give, I want to give, you know, a hundred percent in a certain sense, sense to my work, whether it's my craft or my art or parenting, whatever it is. But I always want to keep that place of humility, that openness, that, that pause, that liminal space where I'm open to the Holy spirit and I'm able to to stop when I recognize, oh, I've gone too far, or I'm whole, I'm clenching too too much, or I'm I'm trying to do this all on my own strength. I want to keep that keep that space for the Holy Spirit in the work, mm. you know, so that I'm open to correction, or I'm open to redirection, or whatever it is, or or if nothing else, I'm just remaining uh, cognizant of the fact that I'm working with God in this thing. I'm not I'm not shoving him aside, saying, "No, I got this," you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So let's let's get into the worship portion. Um, I think for one thing, you know, John Mark, I think we should define terms. I think we should understand what we talk, what we're talking about with worship in the context of this conversation. Yeah, a warship is a, is a, is a ship, but it's specifically designed for battle. <laughs> Wait, what, what did you ask him? What was the question? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I don't even know what to say to you. I'm just going to take a sip of coffee. <laughs> Sorry to derail. I don't no. know. I don't know how to define worship. Uh, yeah, it's a really interesting, uh, like, I always want to kind of hone in on something because I think that people use it so liberally um, that it's almost like, yeah, so so I think liturgically, you know, in the context of liturgy, like, we hear the, the word worship uh, used a lot, like, during the consecration prayers, um, uh, it is right and just uh, for us to... Uh, worship you and give you praise. Like I'm, I'm not quoting it directly, but there, there's stuff. The language is used a lot, but like, what are we? What are we doing? Like, do we know what we're doing? If I could take a stab at it, let's hear it. Stab it. Stab it. Stab it. Um, I would say that worship is. I mean, it, to put it really simply, just making much of God, and maybe the way that our work does that is we are we're reflecting who God is when we work. We're doing his will when we bring order to the chaos and we act as kings mm. here. Um, it was once described to me that when, when the Bible says we are made in the image of God, that the readers at that time would have thought about the kings. Kings were the image of God mm. to, um, to the, the people in the cultures of, of, of that day, or that was a, that was King, King verbiage. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, in a way, we are we are like little kings under God here on earth, and we're supposed to be bringing about God's reign, sort of like a, like ambassadors here. So, oh well, yeah. So I am I am the king of you know forty four hundred Gilbert Road, and my my workshop in my house, and I'm the one who brings God's order there. And so when I work, I am making much of God um, by by bringing his will about, by making things that aren't quite beautiful, mm. beautiful. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And, and the way that you articulated that also kind of brought to mind I me. Mean, I don't know if this is off base or not, so I apologize if it is. But uh, hopefully, John Mark corrects me on this. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Right here, right? <laughs> but uh, it almost like called to mind for me in the context of like that king verbiage. You know, the royal uh, dynamic. It almost was like there's a dynamic of it that's that's like a subjugation to lordship, like putting ourselves at the Lord's feet, like. It, it, when we're worshiping him in our life, whether it's like in the context of a liturgical thing where we're like worshiping him in liturgy or or a praise and worship situation, adoration, or in like the way we live our lives, am I worshiping the Lord? Um, am I subjugating myself to his lordship? Am I putting myself in every moment of every day at his feet, um, on my knees, like giving everything that I am, everything that I'm doing to his lordship? Uh, and in that, am I willing to turn all of it over to his plans, all of it over to his intentions for my life or for my goals or whatever. Um, and that's what kind of came to mind with me uh, for me when you were saying what you said. I, th I thought that was, uh, you know, that's different than the ambassador part of what you said. But at the same time, like when we do that, like very naturally, it will attract people to do the same in theory. But yeah, yeah. I was just trying to look here in the catechism real quick. And the, there, there's a couple a couple of paragraphs here, 2096, 2097. Adoration is the first act of the virtue of religion. To adore God is to acknowledge him as God, as the creator and savior, the Lord and master of everything that exists, as infinite and merciful love. But then later on, this line jumped out at me. The worship of the one God sets man free from turning in on himself. Mm. The slavery of sin and the idolatry of the world. So it's like... Worship, it's not reducible to just a particular act or a particular prayer or particular words, but it's its all those things insofar as they acknowledge God as the one, uh, the highest, yeah. the creator. You know, you can't accidentally worship somebody. Like in your heart, either you, if you're treating them as God, the ultimate, the, the source of meaning, the source of life, the reason for all this, then th that is this act of worship, treating that thing or that person as the highest. And that's to be reserved for the only source and highest mm -hmm. thing. But I, I just love that that point about how it it puts when we do that it puts everything else in perspective. When we fear God, then all other fears, potential fears, are put in their proper place. Yeah. And in relation to this topic today in work, it's like uh, it's the worship on the Sabbath of acknowledging God as the source and the Creator and life and who and the, and the giver of both the Sabbath as well as the, the work. That then all those things find their proper place in our life and in our heart, mm -hmm. how we regard them, how we care about them. There are two things that makes me think about, uh, and I, that was beautifully put. Um, could you read the line about the, slave, the slavery to sin one more time, just that portion? The worship of the one God sets man free from turning in on himself from the slavery of sin and the idolatry yes. of the world. So something that struck me when you read that, I was remembering um, in the Gospel of Luke, when uh, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary... And he's and she responds, uh, "I'm a handmaid of the Lord." In her in her fiat in her yes. Well, a more accurate translation of that, but that's slightly more scandalous, so it's not used. Is I am a slave of the Lord, and it's almost like our our volunteering to subject like that. And so I was I guess the subjugation thing I was talking about earlier is kind of spot on. Like, um, it's almost like our choosing to be a slave, to be all in, to let the Lord run our lives willingly and with passion and zeal. Like not like a slave, like, 
the Israelites in Egypt, not like a slave, like the terrible things that happened here in America um, and still going worldwide in different areas, but like a slavery of, of love. Like, like I want to just live for you. I want you to do with me what you will. I want to be your instrument. Like I want to be all in. And that's what Mary meant when she said it. And I think we're meant to, to think that way, to feel that way towards the Lord. Like, I want to be your slave. Like, I literally don't want anything for myself that is not within your will for me. Well, it's, it's, it's even, the problem is we always think of these in terms of our human analogies. We think of slavery, we think of contracts, we think of work. You know, deeper than those uh, realities of human life uh, is the, reality, the, the, the fundamental reality, the primordial reality of, of the family bond. Mm. We're invited even deeper than those things to be children of God in, yeah. in a true sense. You know, like I, I want, you know, you might say in a limited sense, you know, because of this contract, I will be, uh, I will serve you, whatever you want to do. But even deeper than that is no, Father, I will do whatever you ask of me mm-hmm. out of out of love because I'm, I'm your son. Mm-hmm. This isn't about contracts. This isn't about what I get out of this. This is mm-hmm. because I'm part, you've invited, you've made me part of this family mm-hmm. um, and I, and I worship you, you know, my, yep. my heavenly father. And the other, the other interesting thing about going back to the slavery word, though, uh, in this context, is you cannot, at the same time, be a slave to two things. It's impossible, mm-hmm. right? A person, a organization, a kingdom owns a slave, and it does. They they don't compete for ownership with anyone. And if you can be a slave to the Lord, then you then you will not be a slave to sin. And I think that's the beauty of of the passage you read out of the Catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that that's a. a a process of, as we're sanctified, becoming more and more the Lord's in a yeah. sense. Um, but the principle behind that of, I want to be all in, I want every part of me to be yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the implication is no part of me will be a slave to sin in that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just so beautiful. It's interesting about idolatry because everything less than God that we would worship yeah. is something either sort of equal to or less than us. I mean, like, look around in the universe. I mean, humans are are it. You know, we are God, we're sort of the p- pinnacle of creation. God made us, we have eternal souls, we're, you know. Um, so anything else you might worship other than God is sort of either on the same plane or less than you. And so mm. idolatry is this weird sort of, again, turning inward, turning b- back on ourselves, whereas worship fundamentally looks up to God who is, he is above us, you know, and so... And the thing about that kind of hierarchy, too, is that we, we tend in our modern minds, whenever we think of hierarchy, we tend to think that the higher things take away from the lower things. Mm-hmm. We're suspicious of authority. We're suspicious of institutions or hierarchy or you know better or worse because we think of the higher things, because it's higher, it takes away from the lower thing. Well, I don't think that's the way it works in, in, the, in the spiritual economy. God's greatness, Mary magnifies the Lord. She says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. But God's greatness draws her up and ennobles her and makes her greater. You know, her submission to God raises her up. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I think, what we have in the Lord. When we put the worship of the creator, when we put the creator in his proper place, we're ennobled by that. We're, yeah. we're raised yeah. by that in our dignity. And then when we wonder, why is why is my walk with Christ so, uh, why is it letting me down? Why 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 do I feel... Like, I don't see power in my life. I don't see the Lord active in my life. Well, hold yourself up to the metric of what Mary said to Gabriel there. Are you 
submitting yourself entirely to the Lord? Or is your conversion or walk with the Lord more like, yes, Lord, I love you on Sundays for an hour, but I'm going to hold back these parts of my life and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to very much constrain the ways in which my relationship with you is expressed in contrast with, I am a slave of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to his will. Mm. Like, it, use that from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Use that as the metric for figuring out maybe that's why you haven't been elevated to a, a higher plane of existence. Maybe that's why you're not seeing powers because you have been holding back. God's not holding back. You're holding back. And and I think that for us to reflect on that, you know, we have the examine. We have we have a number of ways to, to figure out where we're at in that trajectory. Um, and I think that's, I mean, again, going back to humility, like, are we willing to be really honest with ourselves about what we are or aren't holding back from the Lord? Well, let's, let's, let's pursue the practical line a little bit more, too. Like, it, So in theory, this all makes sense and sounds great, but how do we actually instantiate it in our lives? Oh, that doesn't matter. Of, in no. terms of our work <laughs> and in terms of our worship, and particularly our Sabbath day. Yeah. Tell me, because I want to know. <laughs> I want to do it better. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. Well, I think for the Sabbath portion... Uh, we need to be very honest with ourselves about um, kind of, to me, it's a twofold issue. There's the societal pressure to treat Sundays a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then there's your, uh, and it's not just pressure. It's, it's from a societal standpoint at an infrastructure level, it's like working overtime to make sure you don't treat the Sabbath day as holy. Mm -hmm. Um uh, even within the church, and this is something that's been a huge hang-up for me, I've fought many battles, always lost, um, both in my work at parishes and when I worked at the diocesan level. I don't think that our families should spend their days on Sundays at CYO sporting events where they're not having quality family time. Many of those families are opting to not go to Mass because they have these CYO sporting events and they don't make a priority of going to Mass at another time or something. Um, you know, at, if, if at an infrastructure level as a church, we're setting up systems that are not helping families keep the Sabbath day holy, we have a real problem. And then even beyond that, whether it's, you know, the NFL or whatever at a societal level, like we... we we have to kind of be very cognizant about what parts of it are really out of our control. Are you an emergency room doctor that like has to work to help people and you're literally saving lives? Are you a police officer? Are you, you know, uh, or are you choosing to cut the grass on a Sunday when you could cut it on a Saturday or wait until the next opportunity Right? Is cutting your grass so important that you're going to do that on a Sunday instead of spend time with your family or with the Lord? Um, and something as simple as cutting the grass, that need not be done on the Sabbath. There is no circumstance in which it's so urgent to cut the grass that you have to do it on a Sunday. Maybe that's a strong statement. Maybe there are circumstances. But I'm just saying, like, most of the time, we come up with these excuses for ourselves, like, no, I got to do this because X, Y, and Z. And, you know, you just get into this routine of devoting your Sundays to things other than the Lord and your family. Um, and that is the directive. Like, we, we have to give that day to the Lord and to our family and to rest and authentic rest. You know, now, for some people, gardening might be very restful, very rejuvenating. Cutting the grass? 
I guess it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I think that we have to be super honest and super humble about what our motives are. And even questioning like, okay, even if I think these are my motives, do I have different motives subconsciously? You know, like, am I trying to get away from the family for this time? Um, because they stress me out or because blah, 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 blah. Like there, there, you know, any number of circumstances. Um, that's my first answer to me for the Sabbath thing is being super honest with yourself about the role that your choices play and the role that society plays. And, and even at a subconscious level, what am I doing here? Something that I've wondered about in connection with the Sabbath is what, what constitutes rest or what is, what is restful for me? Um, in this, uh, in, you know, in 2020, just dragging on, I often feel like I'm spending too much time or just am too burnt out with my kids and my family. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times, like if, if Sunday is just more of that, <laughs> um, it's hard. Uh, and I, I actually had a conversation with my wife this morning where uh, we were just both feeling really burnt out by too many things. And, and she asked me, she was like, look, what is, what is something that's restful to you? Cause we need to just put it on the calendar. I, I couldn't really come up with an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not something that was within my grasp mm-hmm. to, to do. Like I can come up with some fancy thing. Like, sure. you know, I want to go to Italy. Well, we can't put that. <laughs> uh, actually my answer was, you know, I, I want to go, um, I want to have an ATV and be able to go off-roading on a regular basis. Oh, something yeah. I did when I was a kid. I haven't yeah. done it in a long yeah. time, but I can't justify buying an ATV right now. But that's also, that's not, that's not, um, just spending time with the Lord or with family, but because we have a two-year-old so often, um, spending time with my family means, uh, just cleaning up after them. Um, barking directives as they yeah. try to destroy everything in my house. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, no, no. Don't, don't pull out the power cords to mommy's work computer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Stop taking all the towels out of the kitchen and leaving them on the ground. No, don't, don't bring your water in there and spill it on the couch on purpose. This is not yeah. what we do. Um, so yeah, that's really, that's really a, a tough one. You know, you, another thing that, yeah. sorry, one more thing that yeah, we, go for it. we, we talked about a lot with, with the Sabbath is, you know, a, what is rest, but then B, um, if we don't prepare for the Sabbath the day before, yeah. mm-hmm. it ends up not being a Sabbath. A hundred percent. And we, I, I find that so hard to get to get enough ahead of the ahead of the eight ball, if I'm using that term correctly, that that when the Sabbath comes, I'm not like, oh shoot, you know, my kids have no clothes for Monday. I have to <laughs> yeah. do laundry, right? Or, um, man, I wish I could rest here, but my house is just in such chaos. I, I don't even have dishes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, that maybe it's because I, I um have foster kids 15 and, kids yeah because i have 15 kids <laughs> <laughs> my house is just not as tidy as as, as probably your guys is. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> i'm sure we're probably all in a similar Some, sometimes yeah. getting getting rest on the sabbath um i don't want to say it's work but it's complicated <laughs> yeah it's super complicated it's complicated yeah like how do you how do you balance even the 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 specific things you just raised with um the the responsibility of being a parent and and the things that rely on you the ways in which the kids rely on you the house relies on you the you know um like how do you balance that how do you navigate the line there that is the the virtuous line you know what came to my mind when you were talking nick and then especially with the the points you made mike is that i i think maybe what we want to avoid is is maybe getting to if we think about okay i i'm not i haven't done a good job of celebrating the sabbath in my life I want to do better. We don't want to get discouraged. Like, oh shoot, 
how could I possibly go from zero to 60 in mm. one minute here? I think instead we should try to see this as an opportunity and as a journey that, okay, for, starting today, okay, for the rest of the Sabbaths of my life, for the rest of Sundays, I am going to figure out through a lot of trial and error and I want to figure <laughs> out how to make this better. Yep. You know, and and maybe I can't again do it perfectly this coming Sunday, but what's something I can do better? Mm. You know, how can I prepare a little bit differently or better on Saturday, to, so I can give myself more to God and to my family on Sunday? Or uh, how can I, again, begin to experiment? Like, what would it what would it look like to get some real rest or leisure? You know, uh, maybe a different so uh, an example here. We, just because of the pandemic stuff and the, the weirdness with parishes. Um, We've been, my wife and I have been splitting up to go to different masses on Sunday. So we're not taking all the kids out of the house at once. Well, that's ended up being a really interesting thing because we've been spending more one-on-one time with just one of the kids that we take to mass with us. Mm. And so again, that was, we didn't necessarily plan on that, but we're finding different ways to really be with God and be with each other that we hadn't thought about before. And so I guess my point being here that let's see it as an opportunity uh, to, to, to journey with and to try things, um, the point is, is that we're we're still seeing it as an unfinished project. That this Sabbath is something I'm going to, over the course of my life, make more and more this true gift of self to God. Um, yeah, I think this is a good question to kind of poke at as we try to journey towards a good Sabbath. Uh, the question is, what is, what are we supposed to get out of the Sabbath? You know, Jesus says uh, the Sabbath was made for man, right? Not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. Um, God made us to work, and I, and I think that's a really fulfilling thing that makes us, I, I don't know, it brings us into a, a good place when we feel like we're expressing our our humanness, our, our made-in-the-image-of-God-ness. Yeah. Um, I understand that a bit better with work, but with the Sabbath, I think I understand a little bit less. You know, what am I supposed to get out of it? Some of the things that I think I'm supposed to get out of it are A, being refreshed, mm-hmm. um, maybe B, that kind of that perspective that, that you were talking about, that being able to take a step back, not being so in my work that I can see more about it. Um, and see, recognizing, or the third thing, recognizing that God is in control and it's okay if I take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, thoughts? Yeah. I, they're so connected. I think the, the work and, and, and the worship, because I think um, particularly we think about work, like creative work. Like we have those moments when we, like as we were talking about earlier, and we're really working with God, like mm-hmm. that sort of spiritual flow state, if you will. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing this work, but we're at a place of peace and we're relying on God and we're, we're taking joy in co-creating with him. And I feel like part of the, part of this relationship between work and the Sabbath is on the Sabbath, we're supposed to rediscover that if we forget it, especially if we forget it, mm-hmm. because work does tend to, to take over everything and lose that element. You know, I mean, I think about, think about the, our, our prayer life. Okay. We're, we're called in scripture to pray always, to pray unceasingly. Well, that doesn't mean though that we just stop having particular times that we pray and just like, oh, I'm just praying always. No, it's it's actually when we go, when we make specific times to pray, that's where we learn to pray. That's where we, where we learn what it means to be in the presence of God and to not just pray in the sense of saying to God a lot of things, but also listening and being with God. Well, then if we do that, I think the goal is for that to then spill out so that yes, more and more of the rest of our life takes on that quality. And maybe that's kind of a bit of the relationship with, with work in the Sabbath here in the Sabbath. That's where we, we discover who God is. Like, that's the point there. We're going to go we're gonna find God on that day mm. and find God in, in, in my life, in the silence, in the people around me. Um, 
but it's also like a, it's a practice day. It's a training day where then whatever, what I'm, what I've discovered there, that relationship that I've rediscovered or reconnected with hopefully follows me back out so that the rest of my work, the rest, everything else I can do can retain that. I can carry that Sabbath with me into everything else that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes me think, uh, I got this image in my mind with everything you just said, which was beautiful again, once again, um, this idea that why do, why is it important past the courting and past the dating phase? Once you are a married couple, why is it important to keep going on dates? Right. Um, can you, in a technical sense, function as a marriage without going on dates, like often throughout your marriage? Uh, on some level, you might be able to do that, but you're not going to be at your healthiest. Why? When you're on a date with your spouse, you're rediscovering each other. You're encountering each other again, uh, especially if you're not just going on a date, but you're like, you're on that date without other distractions, you're putting your phone away and you're just looking at your spouse in the eyes while you have dinner or doing whatever activity. You, it's an opportunity to re-encounter your spouse and to fall in love with them all over again. And then taking that analogy a step further, if in the context of that date with your spouse, you're able to enter into the marital embrace, um, you know, solid babysitting options and whatnot, um, or post bedtime, um, <laughs> If you're able to enter into the marital embrace on a sacramental level, you are uh, re-accessing the power of the initial sacrament of marriage that you received um, and the consummation of that night, right? Of it that night. And, and you're accessing that at a super deep sacramental spiritual level in the same way that every time we receive the Eucharist and communion, we are accessing the same power that we accessed the first time we had our first Holy Communion. Um, and what do we do on Sundays on the Sabbath as Christians, well, as, as Catholics in particular? We receive the Eucharist. We are re-accessing the sacramental power of that first time that we received it. And and I think that there's a lot of value in in understanding, if you can understand the power and the relevance of going on dates with your spouse in an ongoing way, mm-hmm. the same then should be understood that for the Sabbath and what the value of that is meant to be. That's an interesting analogy between those two sacraments because, yeah, like you can, you know, we have many Catholics. Uh, we, we believe that the sacraments really do something. God yeah. does impart grace in a very special way through the sacraments, but you have to be open to that grace. They're not magic tokens right you know like that's why you have many people who can go through the motions of the sacraments but not really be impacted by them how you approach them uh, where your heart is that depends on whether you're really open to what god wants to do to and for you in the sacrament and so like with your analogy like i mean hopefully in your marriage you're going to continue to enjoy that marital embrace but you may not be open to all the grace and all the all the unitive aspect of that if you're not cultivating that relationship around it. Yeah. And that, that, that aspect of marriage, just like the, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist can, you can not really be open to the grace there. And so I, maybe, maybe the part of the analogy here is that again, that Sunday is that date time with God. Yeah. Like whatever, whatever form it takes in your particular life. And you have to figure that out. You have to experiment. You have to play with that in terms of yourself and your family. How do I reconnect with that relationship with God? How do I, I get, get back into the presence of God and learn to be quiet and be still and be with, uh, be with my creator. 
so that I'm open to the sacramental realities, the Eucharist, my marriage, the people around me. Mm-hmm. How can I, I reopen my heart to those things, yep. both for that day, but also for the rest of that week, that then in my work and my relationships and all the ups and downs that my heart is in a place where I'm more open to everything else. Cause the reality isn't all throughout the rest of the week. God's still there. He isn't just there on the Sunday. He's still there. But it's the question is whether I'm open to continue to walk with him during the week. Yeah. And those dates really help to refocus you. Um, you know, again, going back to that analogy. And I think about like, you know, kind of a, a, a crude uh, analog here. You know, it, it's not like you can only enter into the marital embrace with your spouse when you're on a date. You can do it whenever the spirit leads you to. But... I'm not sure where this crude analogy is going. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel that if that's the only way you ever encounter each other is in kind of random, uh, uh, oh, oh, the the wind hit me just right. Let's, you know, get jiggy with it. Um, if you're if that's the only way in which you're ever entering into the marital embrace and there isn't that deeper context of the uh, re-encounter with each other in the day and there isn't that re opportunity of reconnection and conversation and, and seeing each other and hearing each other more deeply than you can with all the kids running around and with work and whatever um i i would liken that to uh in this analog on a on a sunday you got a million cyo sports to get to for the different kids that are at different age levels and so it's like, oh, well, let's just let's just, just slip in a quick quick mass here. Slip, well, maybe not even. Maybe let's just walk into the church, and as soon as communion's done, we'll leave. You know, like maybe we are we aren't even there early enough for the readings. Wow, things just got real with these analogies. Yeah, but <laughs> I just, you know, if if we are looking at our Sunday obligation to go to mass, receive the, the Eucharist, like if we're looking at it like just an, I shouldn't. Oh, I, I see what the, the issue was. I almost just said it again. <laughs> <laughs> if we approach the mass with a spirit of expediency and let me, <laughs> there's no way to win. Uh, <laughs> anyways, w- when we remove the the spirit of worship and liturgy yes. uh, from the yeah. Sunday, yeah. even if we're fulfilling our, our Sunday obligation, um, we're not like what you were saying, opening ourselves up to the grace that can be accessed there. And in a similar way, in the context of the marriage, like if, if, if you're taking out that opportunity for re-encounter and, and to see each other again in, in like a deep way and to, to know each other, um, the power of the sacrament in the marital embrace uh, is the experience of that power is minima, minimized. It, the, the openness to the grace in that is minimized because it's less about the actual connection. It's less about the, the encountering of, of the two becoming one. And it's more just, uh, hey, let's have some fun. Right. And I, I just think that or, there's or maybe less fun because, again, the, it's right. sort, of detached, sort of detached from the relationship. And that's what it's about. A hundred percent. We're talking about worship in this relationship with God, um, you know, or the, the sacrament of marriage. Yeah. Any last words, Mikey? Nope. <laughs> All right. John Mark. <laughs> Thanks for my, suggesting my, my this topic. Just so much in, the, in what you guys are talking about. Uh, me off guard. Anyway, yeah. you need a, like a two, two or a part two and three because there's just so many. Mm hmm threads here with the with the uh, yeah work and, and how you go about the work and the connections with worship it's just, there's a lot here absolutely well this has been great i love this conversation this was beautiful yeah, thanks for the topic yeah nice. mikey you killed it man hope you come back to to the show yeah
And if you guys loved Mikey being on the men's show here at Awaken Catholic, join the Awaken Nation by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. You could be, oh, you know what? This is yours. Sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna move my mouth. No. You keep talking, Nick. You do it. You do the it. The Awaken Nation, as he was just saying, go to awakencatholic.org slash donate. If you are want to be part of this mission of sharing truth through beauty, uh, we really appreciate your support and your prayer and also a little bit of your money, a prudent amount of your money, whatever you think. Uh, yeah, you're giving me that it's not. Thing. It's not easy to to get Mike, the Mikey Romanin, on the it men's show. Takes, it's expensive. It takes the bucks, you know. <laughs> it's a, man. This guy he's gouging us here. So <laughs> you know, right help us way. out if you want to bring him back to the show. Help us out. Join Awaken Nation <laughs> and download the Awaken app. You can go to theawakenapp.io or download it from your favorite app stores. Uh, it's a growing community of people like you discussing these topics. Um, sharing this faith journey together. Uh, we're, we're all Christians trying to follow our Lord Jesus Christ, trying to become the saints that he created us to be. Uh, and so if you download that app, you can uh, participate in that community. And of course, as we mentioned in the Awakened Nation, you're part of that. We've got some exclusive uh, videos and clips and things and stuff for you as you can check out there. So, Wonderful. oh, you know, on your coffee table, you know, the, the Bible, the catechism and uh, prohibitions proving ground. That's a good coffee table right there. And if you don't have all three, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Sponsor of this thing, Joseph Boggs. Really neat local history book. Check it out. Prohibitions proving ground. Link in the description. All right. This has been real. This has been beautiful. Wonderful. Men, we did it. Work and worship and men. All right. We will see you next time here at the Men's Show on Awaken Catholic. Bye. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.